This episode of Behind the Bots is brought to you by Fingertech Robotics, North America's top manufacturer of combat robotics parts. If you're interested in building your first combat robot, check out Fingertech's Viper Kit, which includes everything you need to build a fully functional, competitive ant weight. Fingertech also carries a complete line of wheels, hubs, motors, and other components if you want to build a bot from the ground up. Check them out online at www.fingertechrobotics.com. From our kitchen table, as we practice social distancing, this is Behind the Bots, the podcast that brings you the stories of the builders behind BattleBots. I'm Chris. I'm Luke. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Kyle. And today on the podcast, our interview with Bale Spear Captain Earl the Third. We'll wrap up the show with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. If you like our show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, CastBox, Player FM, and Podbean. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Behind the Bots. And if you like what you hear, tell a friend. We really appreciate your support. Time for this week's Combat Robotics News. I have 13 news items for you today. 13? Yes, lucky number 13. <laughs> First up, this week is Shipping Week on BattleBots. As builders scramble to pack their robots into shipping crates destined for Long Beach, California, where filming will begin on Friday, October 2nd. In the past week, 12 additional teams confirmed they will be competing this season. In alphabetical order, those teams are Adam94, Balespear, Beta, Big Dill, Captain Shredraider, Kronos, Claw Viper, Gruff, Hijinx, Sharkoprian, Shatter, and War EZ. Meanwhile, three teams this week confirmed that they are sitting out this season. Gloomweaver, Warhawk, and the beloved and much-memed bot, Deep Six. Shipping week means a flurry of new photos and videos on social media, as teams run final tests before turning over their bots to cross-country shipping companies. That's what shipping week was. I I thought shipping week is how long it's going to take to submit our remote ballots this year in this year's election. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I want to start with the biggest news of the week. The team behind Beta has apparently secured special visas to travel from the UK to California with a redesigned version of their hard-hitting hammer bot. That's according to team member Gabe Stroud, who posted several live videos on Facebook this past week with team captain John Reed. New this season, Beta is dropping its electric hammer design in favor of a pneumatic hammer, which will result in a dramatically shorter hammer arm. That change alone will result in hammer strikes that are three times more powerful than the 2016 version of the bot. The bot will also feature electromagnets that will automatically engage every time the hammer fires, planting the bot to the floor. Kyle, I know there was a lot of photos and videos coming out of the team this week. What were your thoughts on Beta? Beta was always kind of a dream, right? Beta has been a concept that John has been throwing around for a long time. Um, that he never really got to realize until the, I guess it was the 2018 season 2016. Uh, or the 2016 season. Um, and even then the full version of beta never got to do its thing, right? Because that version of beta was supposed to have the magnetic clamps to the floor, but 
because the battle box floor at that time was essentially Swiss cheese with paint on it, um, the magnets would not work. So it's amazing that we finally get to see kind of the fully realized Vita in action. It's also interesting that they're going with a pneumatic hammer. The only reason I can think that they are doing that is because they realized that Nelly the Elibot's hammer was just as powerful as 2016 Vita's hammer, and they could not have another equally powerful British hammer bot um, represented in the competition. So that's what makes the most sense to me. Uh, I cannot believe this thing is coming. I mean, they're going to have to quarantine for two weeks when they go back home. I can't even imagine how nerve-wracking that flight's going to be. It's such a strange thing. I mean, I really thought like the Adam, the Adam ninety four kids, the Indian team coming was like weird, um, but then I found out they were all in Canada, so that's not that strange. But this is very strange that they're actually making this journey. I I'm sure that uh, they wouldn't be thrilled to hear this, but I think that the new Beta looks very cute. <laughs> um, with a short little hammer and it's kind of like a taller body. Um, it's it's really compact. The armor on this thing looks really great. It looks like you can fit it on a coffee table versus on a dining room table. And uh, I just, I, I don't know, like I, I really like the new look. I, I think it looks very modern. Um, I, I guess I guess my, my only question about the shorter arm um, is around uh, like the reach of the the arm, you know? Um, do you do you think that this shorter arm is going to limit you know their their impact versus if they had a, a much longer arm and and could reach out further beyond the bot? So the armor design on Beta is based around the concept of a horseshoe crab, which is that sloped, very very thick front hardox wedge. So I'd imagine their strategy is going to be using that wedge to kind of scoop up their opponents and get them up against a wall or get them up against a, you know an obstacle and just fire away on that hammer as much as possible. Um, I don't think that the reach gave them very much, right? Like the chances of them actually hitting a bot that far out in the right, like with the exact right timing uh, with the delay and all of that is very difficult. So, you know, it, pinning your opponent and then hammering at them is is probably what the strategy is going to be moving forward, and I think that makes the most sense. The real, the only mystery that's really left here, because I think that is going to be their driving, is I know there were some rumors earlier on, and, you know, when it comes to internet rumors about robot fighting, you never know what's true or not, that this team was also going to be bringing a flipper bot similar to Tanshi, which they brought to uh, King of Bots uh, and were very successful with. Um, and I'm wondering if that might be one of those mystery mystery bots that was uh, not announced in the big drops for the supporters. Oh, interesting. So you mm. think they might be bringing two robots and kind of sneaking another one into a carry-on luggage or something. Is that right? I mean, you've got two very capable team captain, captains in Gabe Stroud and John Reed. Presumably two team captains would be able to bring two robots. You know, like that's, that's, um, that's kind of what you would think about that. Interesting. Something to watch for sure. Speaking of HammerBots, New York City-based Bots FC is out with a new video showing their new billet frame from team sponsor Prismere. Moving to a billet frame makes it faster and easier for the team to take apart shatter between matches. 
and fully protects the bot's weapon chain, which was damaged in its fight against Minotaur. Rounding out our segment on hammers, the team behind Extinguisher says it will bring three weapon configurations to the 2020 season, notably a new and improved hammer. Extinguisher's 2020 hammer will feature a new sprocket that combines the power of multiple motors to channel 40 horsepower into the bot's hammer strikes. On over to Captain Shredrader, which showed off five new shells, three spare bodies, and a weapon spin-up test based on the robot's new brushless motors. This season, Team Captain Brian Ave seems to be borrowing heavily from Shredderator Tiger Claw, the shell spinner he took to China, which took home a fourth place finish on the show This Is Fighting Robots. Chris, thoughts on uh, on this new and improved Captain Shredderator? Um you know, fourth place finish in China. Any uh, any predictions on on where they will finish this this season? Well, did you did you check out this video uh, in the fight against the propane tank? <laughs> uh, the, tell, just just describe it. You know, for for our podcast listeners who, who uh, may have seen what it. I to say, I mean, uh, a, a propane tank got shredderated, um, and it is it is clear that they are there to do business, and it is even more clear that this group of guys have definitely had their fair share of battles with bad gas. <laughs> oh. oh, God. I was wondering where that was going, and you did not disappoint. I appreciate that. Um, you know, I, I would say uh, I, I, I do I do think that Captain Shredder will end this season. <laughs> <laughs> I had just stopped laughing about this. <laughs> Chris is having a full-on laugh meltdown. <laughs> <laughs> and he started laughing even before he told the joke. <laughs> I'm okay now. I'm okay. Uh, <laughs> I would. I would say. Uh, I. I do think that. Captain Shredder will end this season uh, with a better record than it did last season, uh, just because it's bringing a dramatically redesigned version of it. Um, you know, when when you watch these weapons tests, uh, you can you can really tell, you know, that it's it's not the same kind of unreliable Captain Shredder that we've seen in in recent seasons. Yeah, I'm personally excited about the bigger teeth on Captain Treadrider. That was something that I know Brian's talked about online in some of the AMAs and whatnot for a long time. That the problem, the problem, quote unquote, with uh, you know the Shredderator is that his teeth were too small for modern armor setups. So I like that he's finally like kind of gone to a bigger, bigger tooth layout on a lot of those new shells that he's bringing. Um, so question, Chris, do you think he's cheating by bringing all those new shells? Sometimes older guys just have to go with a new set of teeth. <laughs> <laughs> so Chris, do you think he's cheating by bringing all those new shells? I mean, when, you're, when, you're, when your entire bot is your weapon, uh, yeah, I mean... It's like you're you're able to swap out so much of your bot, but at the same time, it's it's also your weapon. You know, we're not we're not challenging Ray Billings for bringing like, you know, forty seven different blades this year. Um, but, we'll, <laughs> but we'll you know we'll call out Brian Nave's team for doing it. You know, I I I don't know. I'm I'm on the fence. 
I mean, I don't see the like. There's no rule against bringing spares. People bring entire spare robots. Why do you think this sparks so much debate online? And to set the context for people who don't live on combat robotics internet like we did, uh, you know, like they they post this photo of the five shells, and somebody came and commented, sparked a whole thread about how, uh, you know, this sport, it's unfair that you bring multiple robots to a competition. You can just swap them out um, willy-nilly between matches and have essentially a brand new robot and that it's making the show not, you know, less less and less accessible to the to the average person. Am, am I am I kind of... Summer? Yeah, that's, that's the gist of it. And, yeah. and that, this particular situation is exacerbated because... You know, you're you're a full body spinner. You have the ability to dish out a ton of damage without, you know, even really making a strategic decision at all. You know, you could just sit there uh, and you know only only move uh, a few feet at a time to avoid the countout rule, and another bot could destroy itself just trying to just trying to attack you. And so, you know, bringing bringing so many different chassis, uh, you know, or brings, sorry, so many different spinners, shells, you know, with you. It's like very, you're very much unlikely to like ever have to like, you know, miss miss a fight or take a seat because you're you're out of spare parts, you're out of, of the equipment. And yet some of these other teams that have spent tens of thousands of dollars on a bot are just absolutely devastated because, you know, you uh, you are a full body spinner. In related news, the team behind the beefy shell spinner Gigabyte also posted video of their latest weapons test, spinning up their robot in what appears to be a suburban driveway. One of their tests produced some smoke, but the team later said they thought it may have been from some oil or another substance that burned off during spin-up. On over to Northern California, where Tombstone Captain Ray Billings revealed he's been hard at work during the pandemic and will bring nine different weapon bars to the competition this year. Last season, he brought eight bars. Chris, thoughts on uh, Tombstone and their many bars this season? <laughs> Ray uh, has certainly kept himself very busy. He has. Uh, he, it's obvious that he's built bars to uh, to to counteract uh, vertical spinners. He's he has bars to counteract uh, full body spinners. He has a, a bar that is there to counteract, I believe, ion cannons. He has. <laughs> Bar uh, to counteract other bars. He has a <laughs> bar to just bring out to the bar with him. And uh, you know he's uh, he's he's ready for every situation. I was gonna say he's building all those bars because he can't actually go to the bar. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, in his back pocket, he carries a Swiss Army bar, <laughs> where he's just got nine smaller versions of the bars that he's bringing. <laughs> Speaking of Ray Billings and time management, Ray also spent the pandemic refurbishing Brutality, the overhead bar spinner that Bite Force Captain Paul Ventimiglia took to BattleBots in 2009, where he won his first giant nut. In a new Facebook post, Ray revealed the refurbished Brutality, which will appear at the competition this year as Perfect Phoenix, captain and driven by 11-year-old Tyler Wynn, AKA Doom Kid, who holds two gold medals from RoboGames. Kyle, uh, you were the first one to kind of put Doom Kid on our radar. Thoughts uh, now seeing the uh, the new and refurbished Perfect Phoenix? Um, this is going to be such an interesting story to follow. Doom Kid took 
essentially a kit bot and took out some of what we would consider top-notch competitors, uh, including multiple members of Team RioBots at RoboGames when he competed there. Um, he went to BuggleBots and embarrassed some of the top competition in Great Britain. Um, really got to you know the final four of that competition and fought some very, very seasoned long-term competitors there before he finally lost a match due to equipment malfunction. Um, but now he's coming to, you know, the the biggest of big boy tournaments. And he's got a bot with some very obviously 2009 technology. You know, you're like those are off the shelf wheels. Uh, you've got some exposed weapon motors there at the top of the bot that I'm seeing. Uh, obviously, one of those wedges, the one that's kind of bolted onto the bot at the in that first picture, has uh, seen some better days. Um, you know, and I don't know what he's bringing as far as a pit crew goes. I know normally his mom comes to help out. I know sometimes Nate Franklin jumps in with him. Um, you know, I don't know if he's basically going to be sharing a pit crew team with Ray or how that's going to be working, but man, it's going to be so interesting to see this dominant driver kind of go in there with a bot with some older technology in it, but you know, Ray tweaked it, you know, Ray did some stuff to it. I just don't know how far that went, you know? From what I've read, uh, Ray will be a part of, of Tyler's pit crew and will be instrumental in uh, fixing the bot between matches. Um, I, I would expect Tyler to be a major storyline this season. Uh, youngest driver to compete on the reboot of BattleBots. Uh, really kind of amazing dominant driver, especially for someone that young. Um, and I'm really excited to, to see to see if we are minting a new incredible driver, you know, um, putting putting him up there, you know, with the likes of Will Bales, Michael Lately, you know, um, Paul Ventimiglia, Ray Billings himself um, in, in terms of, of driving skill. Um, so yeah, this is absolutely a story to watch this this year. On over to Copperhead, which is fully embracing the raging dumpster fire that is 2020 and coming to the competition this year with a post-apocalyptic Mad Max-inspired rusted outlook. Plus, they've got a new logo. Expect a full bot reveal soon. The team behind the upgraded Cannonbot Double Jeopardy posted video this week of the new onboard camera on their robot which gives weapons operator Bryce Woolley a live bot's eye view of what the cannon is aiming at. Double Jeopardy will return to the competition this season with a robot that now shoots three shots. Meanwhile, the team behind the new casino-inspired vertical spinner Jackpot posted drive and weapons test videos this past weekend, driving their bot around on a deserted road in Las Vegas. This has been a remarkable sprint for this team, which went from CAD drawings to two fully functional heavyweight robots in under a month. This is this is what Jeff Waters does, by the way. I just want to point that out. He's well known in the bot community for thinking up a robot design while joking around in one of the meme pages on Friday and then Monday having a bot finished. It's a really interesting design, and I'm curious how much time he's been thinking about this design like has this been percolating in his um in his subconscious you know for years and this is an opportunity to kind of sprint toward this design or was it really that he dreamed up jackpot three weeks ago uh <laughs> good question 
ask him, you know, the next time that, that we see Jeff. On over to Massachusetts, where the team behind Bloodsport is showing off its new self-writing bar, which the team says took two years of design work and millions of run simulations to design. The new self-writer doesn't have any sharp angles. Instead, it looks more like a curve, providing just enough leverage for the bot to spin its rotor and tip itself back over. As you'll recall, in 2019, Bloodsport lost its first self-writer nearly immediately in its match against Black Dragon. And finally, I'd like to close out this week's news with a giveaway from duck sponsor Protolabs. Protolabs is giving away 10 remote-controlled duck toys from Hexbugs, but you've got to act fast. Entries close today, Wednesday, September 23rd. To enter, go to get.protolabs.com slash battlebots dash Hexbug. And that's it for this week's news. After the break, our interview with Earl Pancos III, the captain of Balespear. This week on the podcast, we have a very special guest, Balespear captain Earl Pancos III. Earl lives on a farm in New Jersey where he runs Forge and Farm Combat Robots. He's competed on the local East Coast circuit with bots like Lil Bale Kicker, Aggressive, Cultivator, and Bales Pair. BattleBots fans know him for Bale Spear, the piercing robot outfitted with the pneumatic spear and named after a common object used around the farm to pick up bales of hay. We're looking forward to getting into all of these topics in the hour ahead. So welcome to the show, Earl. Farmageddon. Farmageddon, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Happy to and be now- here. Happy to be here. Yeah, Earl, I'm I'm so I'm so stoked to, to have you here. So uh, yeah, Earl, I'd I'd love to to get started by um, by understanding more about your life outside of combat robots. So um, you live in Salem, New Jersey. Can you tell us a little bit more about your hometown and um, and and what what you, what you do uh, for a living? Okay, so Salem, New Jersey is my mailing address. Technically, I actually live in a town called Lower Always Creek Township. Um, it's uh, at the most pregnant part of New Jersey's stomach, uh, out in the middle of the meadow. This is actually the area that, you know, gets Jersey the nickname, the Garden State. Um, I live on a 24-acre farm. Uh, I can see one neighbor from my yard where I'm sitting at right now. Um, as far as a living, I worked at the local uh, nuclear power plant, which is located in the same township. Um, I, I grew up here two miles from where I am is my dad's farm. Uh, yeah, I'm at the at the power plant, I'm what they call an equipment operator. Which, if you know The Simpsons, I'm not Homer. I'm actually like Manny or Carl. <laughs> and what 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 does a typical day look like for you? Um, like uh, what what's like a, an average Wednesday? I uh, get up in the morning. I get my son ready. I take him to the sitter. I go to work eight hours. Um, get home. Get done. Go pick my son back up from the sitter. Uh, bring him home and then me and him do stuff around the farm. I might, depending on the season, whether I'm planting or harvesting or spraying for weeds or building robots, you know, just I spend eight hours of work and then put a good five, six hours in on the farm and then uh, rinse and repeat throughout the week. That's so cool. Um, yeah. Like uh, Lindsay and Chris, they started gardening this year. And so I feel like every other conversation that, that I have with them is about agriculture. Um, so, yeah. So, and actually 
come to think of it, like my parents are moving to a farm. Uh, so I guess farming is, you know, like a, like a really kind of, kind of like an interesting topic. Um, what, what, what do you farm uh, there on your, your 24 acres? Like, is it, um, are you planting things? Do you, uh, do you have livestock? You know, can you tell us more about that? Okay. So uh, besides the 24 acres, I farm right around a hundred acres of grain and uh, hay crop. I do corn, I do soybeans, I do uh, Timothy and alfalfa, or I'm not alfalfa, I'm sorry, Timothy and um, orchard grass hay. Uh, I have a couple of horses on the farm here that'll be leaving shortly. Uh, my dad's got horses. And then, uh, you know, a skunk, two dogs. <laughs> and, and I have a small garden too that I just have my own vegetables, but that's not on a commercial level. That's just for feeding me and the boys. Yeah, yeah. The correct answer is you're farming giant nuts. <laughs> uh. <laughs> um, and and I'm interested in in, uh, in hobbies and you know any any hobbies that you have like outside of combat robots or is uh, combat robotics kind of an all-consuming passion? Well, I'll say farming because farming doesn't uh, doesn't qualify as a as a job because well I have to work to be able to afford to farm. Um, also, I used to do uh, tractor pulling and I used to go rock crawling with my uh, truck. Both of those have been parked since my son was born because he's three. He's actually turning four next week. Um, and I Those are activities that I can't really enjoy with him, uh, but he really likes the robots. So he's out here all the time helping me in the garage. So, yeah, tractor pulling, mud bogging, rock crawling, farming. I got a little bit of everything going on. That's awesome. I wanted to transition over into uh, to combat robots. So, can you tell us a little bit more about how you first got interested in combat robots? Like, how did you learn that it was a thing? And um, did you have any uh, favorite robots when when you were growing up? Okay, so when I started watching it, it was uh, a little blip on the Discovery Channel, and then I didn't see it for a while. Then I saw the pay per view coming out, which was uh, you know I think it was ninety nine where BattleBots had the pay per view, and I begged. As I believe it was my junior year of high school, I begged to be able to get that pay-per-view. And uh, ended up, you know, I get, had good grades. I got to watch the pay-per-view, and I was hooked. And I've always liked uh, Jim Spintowski's bots. Uh, I liked Hercules was one of the original ones. And then, of course, Nightmare, right? Everybody loves Nightmare. That was one of my favorite ones to watch. And then uh, it all went away. About the time I got a job and I started making some money and I could have afforded to participate or try to participate, however poorly that would have went, um, then the Comedy Central days shut down, and uh, as far as I knew, it all kind of went away until um, ABC came back, kind of restoked, restoked my interest. Yeah. Um, one, one of the cool things that I like about your story is that you competed locally before going on the show. Um, how did how did you first get involved? Like, what, what was the first robot that you built? And uh, can you tell us more about the process of, of building that first robot? Well, first I'm going to just make this statement. I may not be smart, but I can prove it. I uh, built aggressive, which is my 220 pounder first. Um, not, not the way to do it. You know, they always say smart start would be they'll start small. I, I don't listen. I never do listen. Um, and I built a 220 first just because I'm used to working in the scale of tractors and combines and, you know, multiple thousand pound items so to me, to build a 220 was hard to keep it underweight to start with. Um, so I took that down to Florida and I fought uh, gr Gruff and I fought uh, Breaker Box and a few others down there. Uh, that's where I met Matt Spark and a lot of the great people from down there, Lilith. 
Um, then I started building 30 pounders to, uh, to compete up here at the uh, NERC events. And I've been building uh, little bale kicker versions of that. And then recently I've been building the cultivator, a couple different versions of that. But yeah, I, I, a couple of years here local, I did the NERC events. And uh, unfortunately, I never knew that they can, they continued the whole time that BattleBots was gone. They were going on not three hours from my house and I never knew about them. I kind of, kind of wish I had, I'd have been, may have been involved a little more. Yeah. Um, the, the, the process of designing your first robot, you know, can you talk us through that? Like, how did you figure out what you needed to do to, to build that, that first robot? <laughs> so I, uh, took all the parts, I threw them on the table and I started thinking and with a tape measure and drawing out and, uh, like in soapstone on the workbench. And then I just kind of started welding. Um, definitely not the way anybody suggests you do it, but it's how I usually build most of my robots that aren't involved in a TV series. I just, I take all the parts I want to use. I put them together. I look at them and I think about it and I just build. Mm, that's so cool. Um, so did you, did you have experience building other things, you know, before you built robots? Like, did you feel confident that you could build something that, uh, that, that ran, you know, remote controls, electric, um, you know, before, before designing that, that first robot? Um, that was the hard part. The electronics part was the harder part for me. See, I, like on the farm, I've basically been turning a wrench since I was like 10 years old, right? It started off that I would be like, all right, change all the plow shears. So when I get home, I can get on the tractor and go work or, you know, grease everything up, fuel it up. I've done mechanical work since I was a little kid. So not, none of it was really robotics, but it's all gears, chain drives, um, you know, bearings, bushings, you name it, everything mechanical. I've kind of had my hand with building things for years. Um, just wasn't in a robot form. The harder part and the steeper learning curve was the speed controllers, the radios. Like as far as I knew, the last time I touched radios, you had to have crystals. Well, nobody uses crystals anymore. It's all a uh, Paul Swift module, uh, you know, 2.4 gigahertz. So yeah, I just want to follow up actually before I, I get into some questions regarding the local scene. I, I use... I actually use you as as one of the personas that I um, that I, I use in my like in my analogy to, to to talk about the diversity of builders inside combat robotics. Like you'll have everyone from like NASA engineers to you know people who uh, you know learn traditional blacksmithing and, and stuff like on a farm, and how like the sport itself is like the great equalizer. But my question would actually be like turning around since you were 10 years old and like, you know, knowing like the traditional, like, uh, you know, uh, I, I would call it just like tinkering, general tinkering, advanced tinkering. Like how do you mentally prepare yourself to like go up against teams that have, you know, you know backgrounds in CAD or like in, or building advanced robotics that perform like crazy functions? Like how do you mentally get there? See, I have a very different approach mentality um than some teams and there's nothing wrong with this is the way i am i'm there to have fun if it gets in the box and it works and i get my bot kicked i'm just there to have fun i enjoy it right like i i if i do well good if i don't if I don't do well as long as i died well i'm happy with that like i don't i i i'm not i'm not there thinking oh yeah i've got to get the nut i'm gonna get the nut I'm going to win it all. 
if somehow that happened, that'd be awesome. But you know what? I, I'm just there to put on a good show, to have a good fight, to have a good time, hopefully win a fight or two. And I hope I entertain everybody. That's what I'm there for. Right. So as far as preparing, yeah, I'm nervous. Yeah. It's going to, it's going to, it's going to sting a little bit watching that thing I built get destroyed. But you know what? That's what I built it for. <laughs> That's, I, I love that. I love that outlook. Um, so yeah. So let's, let's jump into, uh, the local scene. Now you compete up and down the East coast, uh, at different combat robotics competitions. What's been your favorite robot so far outside of Bale Spear, obviously that, that I built. No, what just you mean? that you've seen. Uh, I got, there's a couple of them I'll mention. One of my favorite beetles I watched, I think it was a beetle was a Swan Cena, which was hilariously named, but he was a 3d printed. It could even have been an ant. Um, that had all these little punji sticks sticking off and your typical vertical spinner would come up, rip off a punji stick and then it couldn't get any closer. So he just out could out, could out push around and out, out last these, um, spinners that were destroying everything else just because he had a blade of armor. And I just thought it was a cool idea. I don't even know how well he did in the tournament that was up at a, I think it was bot bash at the, uh, in Pennsylvania, which is unfortunately, I, I think was did not happen this year. Um, you know, that was one of my favorite little ones. My other one was uh, Melvin down in Florida at a Maker Fair. You remember that? The, uh, the inflatable tube man robot? Yes. How like, I-, I enjoy the entertainment. I want a bot that I'm going to go watch. And I don't care if it wins, lose, draws. I want to be entertained. Like, I love that bot. I laughed the whole time that thing was fighting. Like, yeah, I, that that's enjoyable to me. I, we, I definitely, I, I remember the bot, but I also remember the team that was there with the bot, and they were so fun, and they were just there to have a great time. Yeah, I and, can't remember their names, and they seem like awesome people. I, I, I know I Facebook friended them, and I'm, I feel horrible because I don't remember exactly what their names were at the moment. But yeah, they seem like a whole great group. Yeah, you run into a lot of interesting people in combat robotics. That's for sure. Uh, what was it? Uh, Alex Horn always built something interesting. So like uh, he built was a, these robots suck, which were a pair of vacuums two years ago. Right. He built um, uh, was a butter side up, which was a toaster chomp robot, which was hilarious. Like I, I enjoy the people who are having fun doing this. Like I like those bots better than I do the serious gonna, you know, competitors. Yeah. Um, let's uh, let's, Let's move over to the 2018 Bale Spear, and mm-hmm. I'm, if you could tell us a bit a bit about the story of the 2018 Bale Spear. Uh, when did you decide to first apply to BattleBots, and 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 what inspired your 2018 design? Okay, so I knew for the show, four-wheel drive vertical spinner not going to happen, right? Um, too many people are doing that. It's not me. I style anyway. Uh, it was a combination of, if you remember the, mo- the movie, No Country for Old Men, mm-hmm. and he had the uh, bolt, capture bolt. Yeah. He was knocking door handles off. A uh, combination of that and just my farm machinery background, I wanted a pneumatic spear. I remember, was it, um, I think it was Team Inertia Labs had uh, Rhino back in the day. It was a pneumatic spear bot. I've always kind of liked them. Ra- uh, Ram- was Ramstein one or was that just a static spear? Uh, it doesn't matter. I always kind of like the spear bots back in the day. And then I like the idea. Oh, uh, I, I'm also forgetting. Like the, one of the more famous ones was a do all do more. I think there was even a do little. Um, 
you know, we're one of the original pneumatic spear bots. So I just, I had the idea for the weapon first and then I kind of built the bot around it, which is, you could probably tell was a row box. It was pretty much perfectly square. Um, yeah, that was the idea. I wanted a pneumatic spear and then everything else was built around it. Um, I had applied, I wanted to apply in 17, um, but I just didn't have the CAD skills. I, I actually joined a makerspace. Um, I won't mention their names because I, since then, uh, they've decided that what I do is against their weapons policy. Um, I joined a makerspace. I took uh, SolidWorks courses. I took mill and lathe courses. So like I, I'd had some mechanical experience, but I learned everything I needed to learn to build what I'm building at a makerspace. Mm. Um, and then, uh, after, after taking the courses, doing the, uh, doing some work there, I had enough to put together a CAD to send in, in 2018. We heard you end up, uh, taking a cross country, uh, drive over to BattleBots that year. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that drive? Okay. So I was offered to pay your own lay spot, which, uh, now, without getting into too many details, everything's on me. So instead of trying to fly and pay to ship a robot and all that, um, I decided to drive cross country, which is about 3,300 miles from where I'm at to Long Beach. Um, took, I loaded up uh, my robot. I also uh, had overhaul. I had parts of huge. Uh, parts of Battle Royale with cheese. I think just a burger bot from them and some other miscellaneous parts. Um, in the bed of the truck, loaded them up and took a four-day trip across country. Um, drove down to 40, drove into Texas, tried out some Rocky Mountain oysters that were fried, which were surprisingly good. Yeah, uh, drove all the way to California with, uh, you know, parts of four different heavyweight robots in the bed of the truck and uh, drove into Long Beach. And what was your experience like when you got to Battle Pods? Oh man, it was fun. Um, it was kind of cool. I got to meet, kind of got to meet all my, my childhood heroes and then a lot of new awesome people. And then some of my, you know, friends from the East and Florida that I already knew and liked, um, spent two weeks in California. It's the first time I ever, uh, been further than like Ohio. Uh, first time I got to learn, first time I ever saw what smog was, I was kind of confused for a while. I just thought my glasses were dirty. Um, couldn't figure out what that smell was. Uh, but yeah, it was a good time. All the uh, teams are very friendly. Um, you know, everybody's got along, everybody helped each other out. Uh, it was just a great experience overall. So your first fight was a four-way tag team with Parallax, Basilisk, and uh, Double Dutch, which brings us to our first fan question uh, from Kraken Captain Matt Burke, who asks, Earl had a really crazy moment in the pits at season three that was covered in the BattleBots Resurrection videos and led to a great match with Valkyrie. What was going through your head during that chaos? Uh, well, let's see. This is family friendly, so let me edit my thoughts. Um, I, it, so I started, I did the Twitch test and it went up in smoke. Um, and long story short, I had lost bearings inside turned them into bushings to save weight because i was a few pounds overweight well in the robot was a few pounds overweight um and my my uh, master link for the chain was facing inward um so 
the shaft shifted a little bit and every time that master link would go around it would gall up in the aluminum and it would lock up the back set of wheels so i wound up smoking a long mag motor on the twitch test so they're like hey get it fixed as soon as you can and we'll try to have the match so i had like 20 to 30 minutes i don't even know because it felt like six hours um that to get this thing fixed and get back in there so i just cut we went running into the pits with this thing and i had everybody helping me out i know blacksmith i had uh sean from automotive structo i had members of bombshell i had uh, I think uh, Ravi was, I know Ravi was there from Red Devil. I had, and I'm sure I'm forgetting. I always forget. I know Kraken, Matt was there from Kraken. I had half of the pits were in there helping me get this mag motor changed out. I know, I know was it Yeti had the spare motor that I got off him. Um, like just everybody came together. It was like mad house. There was cameras everywhere looking at us. They're asking me every 30 seconds, Hey, when's it going to be done? I'm like, I don't know. Uh, just, and it was, I still remember Sean was making, I had Wonder Bread sitting on the pit table because I had brought lunch meat so I could make sandwiches if I got hungry. And he's making Ricky Bobby jokes about the pot's on fire, the pot's on fire, Ricky Bobby. I remember I couldn't even laugh at the time, but it was so funny. <laughs> I had to tell him later, I was cracking up inside, but I was so panicked on the outside. I couldn't, I couldn't take the time to appreciate the jokes, you know, but uh, yeah, it was, it was nuts. We all got together, got a slap back together, ran out threw it in the arena and uh got my got the fight in so it was awesome and your next match you returned uh to the valkyrie match with two unconventional front wheels can you talk about that decision so everybody's got a plan and they get punched in the face um ah, i type. called that as yeah, a great i called that i called that amish mode because they were steel wheels if you if you're from pa you know that the they, the, the mennonites put tr uh, steel wheels in all their tractors because they don't have rubber tires so I called it Amish mode. The whole thought was, well, they can't rip the rubber off of the steel wheels if they're only steel. And we know how that went. Um, the, the, the wheels held up, but it ripped the entire hub completely off the robot, threw a, broke a grade eight bolt, ripped the bushings off, um, just ripped both front tires off, and then started to take the rubber ones off the back. So, Earl, I'd like to move on to 2020 Bale Spear. Um, you've been posting pictures and videos online, the bots looking sleeker and cooler than ever. Uh, I'm really excited. Um, so this brings us to our very first, or brings us to our fan question from Alexander Archer, who has a two-part question. First up, what upgrades have you made to the Bale Spear this season? Um, and are there any weapon improvements or changes or modifications in the upcoming season? Yeah, so this year it's definitely smaller. Um, it's not aluminum anymore. It's AR500 steel welded together. Um, tires are only 13 inches tall instead of being like 22 inches tall. Um, they're also foam filled. So everybody, uh. why, did I, why would I have air filled tires? Well, okay, you're right. And this season I don't. Um, also the wheels are inboard of an outside, uh, steel frame. So, uh, they're not completely unprotected. They're not completely shielded either. Also in the weapon department, um, instead of having a cylinder out there with a hose going to it, I've got a cylinder end, which the 90 degree DEMA solenoid valve is directly screwed into with the buffer tank directly screwed to that. So there's... Uh, as little restriction and as little uh, 
torturous path as I can to directly dump the pressure into the back of the spear. So it should be quite a bit stronger and quite a bit faster this season than last. I don't, unfortunately, have um, statistical numbers on it. I don't really have a good way to to measure an impact force. Um, I know that the cylinder at the pressure that it puts out would be about like 2,800 pounds, um, but that's not a fair number to put out there because it's an impact. It's not a, you know, force applied through through the full PSI, if you understand what I'm saying. I do. Can we wait until the fair this year and take it to the punching machine? Oh, that would be awesome. I got the fist. <laughs> I got the haymaker still. <laughs> I like that. Um, all right. So the other part of the question was, what's your reaction to the current reigning king bite force not participating this season? Um, sad and excited. Um, sad because it, it's a shame you can't make it. I understand though the, um, you know, current world situation. You know, I don't 100 percent know all of what went in his decision, but 100 um, percent support anybody who didn't feel like or couldn't make the season for any reason. I mean, whether it be financial, whether it be risk aversion, whether it be, you know, uh, a loved one that's, you know, susceptible or high risk um, to the COVID, uh, you know, sad he couldn't make it. I'm also excited because uh, seeing the post where he was uh, selling the old uh, fight force or force fight or whatever you have to legally call it now, the non, uh, nondescript robot. Um <laughs> He uh, he was saying about something about a newer design or all new bot whatsoever. So I'm kind of excited to see uh, what a team that works that efficiently and that well together comes up with next. Um, I mean, he's the, probably the hardest working one in the pits. Uh, you know, I, my team got there early and left late, and I would be pretty much say I think every time they were either they were there before and thereafter we left. Um, you know, like I said, he's the hardest, probably the hardest working man there that I that I noticed. Like the, that team was all serious all the time, and it shows. I mean, it, you can't argue with success, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, all right, so I got a question. How is I know a lot of fellows on your team just from you know the Northeast season or the Northeast kind of connections uh, in 2018. How many of those folks are coming back? Who do you've got coming out with you this year? Okay, so basically, Team Executioner, which is uh, uh, Miro and Malcolm Matheson, um, I'm going to give it a huge shout-out to them. They basically are my team this season. Um, you remember them with the roadkill down there with the uh, down at Florida. Yep. Uh, had a great fight with Huge. They got the rubber tire armor. Um, they basically are my team this season. Uh, the rest of my team that would have uh, from the 2018 season – Due to varying reasons, uh, a lot of it being the COVID restrictions and the uh, quarantine we have to when we come back, uh, just couldn't commit to the season. Especially, um, you know, last season I did half of my team swapped out halfway through, right? And this season they want everybody the whole time. And you know what? N not everybody can commit to that, and I understand completely. Yeah, 100%. So you've got, um, you've got the competition starting up. Very soon. Yes. So what do the next 10 days look like for you? What needs to happen between now and kind of next Friday to get you and Bale Spear and your teammates to BattleBots? Sleep. That's something I need to find again. Um, <laughs> but all seriousness, uh, I'm waiting to hear from a shipper. Um, supposedly Thursday's our ship date. 
Um, so I've got one robot, 100% ready to roll. Other than I pull certain things out, put them in packages, and then put them in the in the shipping container. So I have one ready to roll, and then I have one bot that's about 70% complete. That I'm waiting on a few parts from McMaster that should be here tomorrow, and then I'll I'll throw together what I feel like, and then I'm tired of looking at it, and I'll throw it all in the crate and send it. <laughs> um, yeah, thanks. Like I said, I, I was Miro and Malcolm. Really, we worked our butt off this weekend, and they've been coming out here last few weekends in a row to really get going good on this thing. Um, you know, I was already half-heartedly working on it when I got the the nod that I was in because I was hoping for. Uh, ruckus this fall mm-hmm. but uh i really hope to i uh, uh, really kicked it up a notch like i said i've got a uh, one full robot one that's 70 percent complete and i intend to have it 100 percent complete you know in, in the first few days that i'm at the event right so are you making any special arrangements to stay healthy while you're competing any any special tricks that you're using to kind of keep yourself uh extra safe while you're there uh, i not really i mean i know they have a whole protocol right i have to get testing friday um, before I ever get on the plane, I have to get a negative COVID test. And then they're supposed to be doing like a instant test when we show up and then periodic testing throughout it. I've got branded masks for the team. Um, you know, we're, we're going to be trying to keep clean. I know that they're going to isolate the pits out so that they limit the number of people we have contact with. We're going to be taking the appropriate precautions, but I'm not nothing particularly above and beyond out of the way. Like I, I'm, I'm probably one of the, one of the less concerned, um, I live in the middle of nowhere. I've had to work this entire uh, pandemic. You know, I, I kind of look at it like this. I have to expose myself to people and the potential every single day for work. Why Why am I not going to go do it for something I love? Yep. You know? yep, that makes perfect sense. Um, so you spend a fair amount of time in uh, the meme portion and the internet portion of the combat robotics community from what i can tell um so have you noticed any new rookies that are coming this year that you're really excited to see some some new bots that you're thinking might be really fun to watch and look at okay so i'm looking forward to black widow because that's another farmer team from i believe it was new york yep um it's definitely you know looks like a first time uh robot which it is and uh, i look forward to seeing them compete and seeing them, uh, hopefully they do well. And, uh, hopefully they learn, uh, you know, for the next version. Cause let's face it, Bale Spear one was not that great, but, uh, I, I hope that everybody sees how much improvement, I, uh, I've made in it between seasons. And like I was telling, um, Matheson this weekend, I said, you know, they have their design for executioner. I mean, I'm sorry, roadkill. Um, I said, if you come home and you don't change your design, you weren't paying attention. Yeah, I said because you know you will learn just like I did so much and see things that you need to do differently. Like I'll tell you the one big takeaway I took from BattleBots 2018: the way I was raised, the way I do things, I take advantage of every material and item I have, and I figure out how to use those items and put them together and make them work. What I'm not good at is envisioning machining one-off parts, or I wasn't good at getting everything laser cut right like everything in bale spear one was hand cut hand machined hand welded there was almost zero cnc on my end in that thing except for the steel wheels that was the only thing i had plasma cut everything else was done by hand or ball off the shelf um seeing all the bots compete in 18 i was like man i really like 
they they look at it like this is what I want to do, and I'm going to custom from scratch everything around it. And so I've adjusted my my building techniques to encompass a little of theirs and a little of mine. So I you know pull in the items I have or I can buy or anything that I I'm is out of my ability. I either farm out or I get off the shelf components. But I I definitely uh, definitely took a lot away, and I've definitely improved the bot this season. I know that we are really much so looking forward uh, to seeing it this season. Um, so one last question. Is there any any predictions now that the kind of titular top four uh, is completely changed as far as like who's going, who's able to go? Um, do you have any predictions for like who might actually end up in the top 16 or even the top four this year? It's so different and it's just so strange, like looking at what this field is turning out to be. I can't even wrap my head around it. I would probably say Hydra. Tombstone for sure. He's got to be up there. Um, trying to think because there's so many people that I'm not even, I'm also not wanting to say anything that gives out all the uh, supporter information of who is and isn't going. True story. Um, trying to remember who else. Yeah, probably, I mean, it looks to me like Shredderator might be uh, a real contender this season. I know he's wearing a brushless. looks like his, uh, hopefully he's got his, uh, his bot dialed in. Uh, yeah, and he's got those bigger teeth on the, the shells this year. He's, he's looking interesting. I agree. Yeah, he looks a little scary. Um, ah, I need one more. I need one more. Huge. Definitely huge. I think huge is going to. There's just he's so hard to figure out how to fight. Like even we are we were having a whole team discussion. Like, what do you do with that? Right? Do you do you try to do some one off weird you know modification to your bot, or do you just try to pick a strategy to to, to deal with him? Right? And I'm not going to go in any deeper as to what we decided, but uh, you know he's very interesting engineering problem to solve. Absolutely, yeah. Even veteran teams like people over at Bronco ended up making the unicorn horn for it, which is some of my favorite, like in the pits footage from last season with them trying to figure that puzzle out. So yeah, I can see how that would be a heck of a lot of fun. Yeah, because a lot of times if you make something up special just for him, you wind up you wind up messing yourself up more than you do him. <laughs> look, like look at Hypershock, his his rakes jam back in his own spinner. You know, Sub Zero, his little attachments did nothing. You know, it, it it's you almost need to just fight your fight and figure out how to adapt that to him more so than make a huge attachment. <laughs> All right, so we have got a bunch of fan questions. Fans want to know. Um, so the first one comes from Scorpio's captain Diana Carlson, who has a two-part question. <laughs> Sorry, your son is cute. <laughs> um, uh, so the first question is, if you were a Pinkie Pie emotion, which one would you be? Uh, I guess OMG. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, that that, uh, that was one of my favorite pictures of all 2018 BattleBots. Was uh, she got a picture of Mira V together with Pinkie Pie, and it was just like an off-handed picture that was like one of the better ones of uh, me from that whole event. I really like that picture. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and then her second question is, seriously, though, what is your go-to favorite farm tool? 
I remember riding on a combine harvester as a kid with my uncle, and it was amazing. So I have a love-hate relationship with a particular tractor of mine. Um, <laughs> I have nicknamed it El Diablo. Um, the model number is the International 666. <laughs> and it is my absolute favorite tractor to run, and it has tried to kill me no less than three times. Oh, no. Um, once I went up to a stop sign, I pushed in on the clutch, and nothing happened. I had to throw the throttle off and shut and, and stomp on the brakes and choke it out before it pushed me into the before it would push me into traffic. Um, once I tried to start it from the ground, I thought the uh, shifter was in neutral and uh, somebody had uh, disconnected the neutral safety switch and it almost ran me over. And then wow. another time I pushed in on the clutch and I went to let out and I was making a turn and then the clutch stayed in and I almost, I almost pulled right into the front of a truck without the ability to get out of the way. Oh, so no. that is my favorite piece, favorite and least favorite piece of machinery at the same time. We, like it, but it is the most comfortable tractor is the perfect horsepower. Uh, it's nice. It's, it's my favorite tractor, but, uh, you know, you just have to put up with an occasional, you know, uh, uh death tendency. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if, if you ain't if you're afraid of dying, farming, you're in the wrong profession anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next question is from Jackpot Captain Jeff Waters, who asks, "Earl, when is our grudge?" Whenever he's ready to get hit by the broadside of a barn, he's going to be. Beat, I'm going to deal him aces and eights. Ooh, fighting words! <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Hopefully, uh, we'll get to see it play out next season. Uh, so Nelly, the Nelly bot captain, Sarah Mollian has a two-part question. First, she writes two years ago. I messaged Earl to ask if he'd record himself birthday. The robot was anniversary. And could he pretty please include that? And now, yeah, the uh, I did a oh. video for uh for the shunt posting birthday and I yelled Farmageddon and threw the wheels and it made a big loud obnoxious clash. And I'm glad a little, the kid enjoyed it. I mean, that's, I, I, you know, my main goal in all of this is just to entertain. Like, you know, if, if I can make some people like me, some people hate me and then just make somebody smile, I'm happy. Right. So that, that makes, that makes me happy that uh, I, I'm reaching my goal. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I, um, I didn't see the second part that she wrote. She said, naturally, she was delighted uh, when you said Farmageddon. Uh, but then her six, now eight-year-old, finds it so hilarious that he goes on YouTube to find the video and rewinds that part over and over and over again while snickering in that way all little boys do. So clearly, <laughs> <laughs> you've uh, you've entertained uh, in, in a, in a long-lasting way. Oh, that's um, good. That's good. Yeah. So, uh, so I guess her follow-up question to that is, are you proud of yourself, Mr. Pancoast? Oh, yeah, very proud. <laughs> um, and then the second part of Sarah's question is, um, ask him how his family got that surname with two big smiley faces. Okay, so in the 1600s, um, John M. Pankhurst, who couldn't spell or didn't spell or wouldn't spell, uh, came over here to the U.S. Um, but it wasn't even the U.S. then. It was still just the colonies. We predate the U.S. here in uh, South Jersey. Wow. Um, and so, yeah, we, le we left the we left uh, England in the 1600s, came over here. Um, there's a lot of, there's a Pancoast Road, Pancoast Mill. There's a bunch of stuff in here in South Jersey from that, uh, 
coming back to him, I actually have a book called the Pancosa South Jersey that uh, I can, I'm in and I can trace my lineage all the way back to him coming over here. So, you know, after, you know, 300 something years in uh, South Jersey, we've managed to amass nothing and are famous for having a tumor named after us. Um, (laughs) That's that's it. That's all I got. (laughs) That's all we've managed to become famous for. You know what? Some people don't even have tumors named after them. That's really cool, though. It's great to have a a good sense of your family be able to date it back all that way. Um, yeah, like in the town I live in, my uh, great grandpa was like the first fire chief of the fire company back in 1924. Like we've, I, my family's been in LAC for many, many generations. And then Jim Pankis in general have been in South Jersey for, you know, going over 300 years now. That's, that's awesome. Uh, Julie Bin asks, you've probably already been asked this, but how many bales could bail spear spear if Bale spear could steal bales. Wow, that was hard. Really, that was not nice of you to make me read. <laughs> uh, um, so, yeah, what, uh, what what say you to that? I'd take a spear about a wagon load, about a wagon load of bales. All right, good answer. Um, she was hoping that you would not say Will Bales uh, because he's a national treasure and he does not deserve to be bailed. Well, it, it, that's funny, interesting. Um, the one robot that I named uh, for Maker Fair, or for Maker Fair, was uh, Bale's Hair. Because if you take Bale's spear and you move the one letter the one way, that's what it spells out. Um, so, uh, you know, having my contractually non-obligated name for Maker Fair, Maker Spear. Ah, now I'm saying. Now you got me tongue twisted. <laughs> for Maker Fair, uh, it's Bale's Pear to poke fun at Will. I also had, I don't know if you noticed them, I had the uh, Christmas pear lights up on the ta- on the table and uh, yeah. a picture of bales, uh, a vinyl cut out of bales on the uh, cover plate, just poking fun of him. Um, I don't know if you ever saw the video of Aggressive when I fought the uh, hype or shock um, a couple years ago. Uh, I had a just a spear on the front and I buried that thing eight inches deep in the hyper shock and we got stuck together. Um, and we ended up, you know, doing a, look like, a, a dancing in the middle of the arena just twirling in circles stuck to each other uh until i finally went in i had to unbolt the spear from my robot because i couldn't take it out um <laughs> so we, we go back and forth uh, poking fun at each other with that oh that's that's awesome uh stephanie sayers farmer who competed last season with bombshell asked what is your favorite earl meme I'm going to say uh, Officer Earl from Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, where he's running. Uh, close runner-up is uh, Grumpy Puppy is actually named Earl, uh, if you Whoa. ever knew that. Aw, Grumpy Puppy. Now uh, yeah. his name. <laughs> so, uh, you know, as you may know, we close out every interview with a series of deeply philosophical questions from BattleBot superfan Mary Catherine Carr, a.k.a. MKC, because she's that cool. Now she has a little acronym. Uh, and she wants to know, first of all, please tell us about your farm critters, especially the best one, your skunk. All right, so I'll save the best for last. Currently on this farm, I've got one uh, donkey, which is, uh, his name is Alf, but mostly just call him D-Donk. He is the, so the farm name, which I don't think I've mentioned, is actually Half-Ass Acres. Um, he is the half of an ass uh, for half-ass acres. 
and edit that as you need to for radio. Um, <laughs> uh, so I got a, I got a donkey, two horses. Uh, I also have a St. Bernard and a Great Dane. So yeah, I've got like 350 pounds of dog running around the front yard protecting the place. Wow. Um, and then her favorite critter, I've got currently a skunk, which is neutered and de-skunked. And it lives in the house and it beats up the dogs and it does pretty much what it wants. Oh. Um, they're a fun critter to have. They're kind of like a mix between a cat and a dog. Uh, they're kind of like a cat because they ain't going to listen to you. Um, and if he's not in the mood, he's going to let you know it. And he's going he's gonna to tell you you're not picking me up today. Um, but they're also like a dog because they kind of stay on the ground. They eat a little bit of dog food. Uh, I cook it up mixed vegetables on a regular basis and have special vitamins you got to give them. And wow. You know, they can be real sweet and follow you around or they can just be like the cat that you that never wants anything to do with you. It all depends. I've had three different ones over the years. Um, you know, I had one that was sickening sweet. Like it would follow you everywhere. It was like a little puppy dog. It was an awesome thing. I had one that was a complete turd and it just (laughs) almost never wanted to be picked up, never wanted to be petted, never wanted, you know, just wanted to do its own thing, run that roost and beat everything up. And then I have this one that's in the middle. Uh, it depends on the day, whether it wants to be sweeter, it wants to be uh, a brat and that's okay. I'm good with that. So I have to ask, is this like a, a skunk that is on your farm that you then, you know, take in and get or what, how, how do you get skunks? Of course not. That would be illegal in the state of New Jersey. So all oh. of them have been purchased from, uh, the, there's a, there's one called, a there's a, and I'm not sponsored by them, but, uh, New Jersey exotic, uh, pets. Um, they sell skunks every year. They have a couple litters. Um, but we bought them from them. Then you get the permit from uh, New Jersey Wildlife to have them. Wow. All right. Well, now I need to go get ourselves a skunk. We just got a new dog. And clearly they need a skunk to play with. <laughs> so. no, the best part is if you don't like crickets, that thing will tear a house apart finding the crickets. It likes to eat crickets. Wow. All right. That's good to know. Um, and it'll it'll kill mice too. Yeah, that, that's good too. <laughs> Um, so, uh, Mary Catherine Carr asks, how do robots fit into farm life? Does Bale Spear have an off-season job as a cultivator? Does it herd cattle on the weekends? So, Bale Spear itself hasn't had an on-farm job. Um, I did repurpose Aggressive um, to dig out my basement, which is now called Molebot. Um, I had a wall collapse in my basement, and my house is an old cobbled together farmhouse of about four different foundations and about three different time periods. Um, so that the oldest section of the house is logs plain top and bottom with rocks holding the logs off the ground and the outside wall, which was made out of rocks out of the field collapsed. The problem is there was a newer foundation of a pad poured next to it. So I couldn't just dig down next to it to fix it. I had to dig a tunnel under the pad to get to the rocks and I didn't want to put myself or anyone else in that position and in that danger. So I, refitted aggressive with a uh, bucket named it Molebot, and I dug a whole tunnel under the pad into the basement and then all the way over to the crawl space of the basement so that I could fit in there and get in there to repair the wall. Um, I also have used that thing to move uh, parts and equipment around the farm. It's it's like I had a, a PTO I built on the tractor. That's about a 220 pound item chunk of steel. So I picked it out of the tractor, set it on it, and then drove it around to the shop where I could pick it up onto the bench and re- tear it apart and rebuild it. Um, it also pulls the, the boy loves to get pulled around and his, he's got a little, uh, uh, like one of them razors cart things that won't drive on grass to save its life. So I just drag him around with it. 
uh, on a, on a dog leash behind the robot. And, you know, he has some fun with that. He's always telling, telling me dad, uh, you know, let's play with the robot, let's play with the robot. So probably all the kids at school think he's crazy, but <laughs> he gets to play with a robot on a regular basis. <laughs> I'd say he's one lucky kid. Um, yeah, Mary, Mary, Catherine Carr was asking all about um, your your mole bot as well. So I'm glad that you got to that because she was very fascinated. Um, so her last question uh, is: Is there any chance of making Farouk sing an old McDonald reprise for one of your intros next season? And if so, what should old Earl Pancoast have on his robot farm? And most importantly, what noises do those robot creatures make? <laughs> I would love for Farouk to do an old, old Earl Pankus song. Um, with a mole bot here, and a deer chaser there. <laughs> here a bot, there a bot, everywhere a bot bot. I'm trying to think what noises they would make. Pro probably uh, just whirling electric motors, you know. <laughs> <laughs> robot go brrrr, you know. Oh man, if Farouk, if if uh if this makes its way over to you, I hope you hear it, and I hope that you and the writers make this happen. Uh, and as far as her uh, thing about robots on the farm, I do have a dream of uh, building a uh, deer chasing robot. Um, I I just haven't had time to learn the Arduino or uh, Raspberry enough to do it because um, I've had. I've had field 10 acre fields stripped down to absolutely nothing in two weeks. And that's, you know, a loss of 10, 10, you know, like, you know, two to two to three thousand dollars. And then wow. over the years I've lost tens of thousands of dollars of deer damage. Like I, I would love to build something to just chase them away and parole the field and just, you know, blow a horn at them, move at them a little. So they take off. Um, someday I'd like to build something like that. There, there are a couple people who have built similar things for chasing geese. Um, it's not out of the realm of possibility. It's just a little further than my education can get me at the moment. That sounds like something that would be very beneficial, though. But so that that's about it for us. We really, really enjoyed talking with you, and we're so excited to see you. You'll you'll be there in just a couple of weeks at this point. So we can't wait to hear how it goes. We can't wait to see you in the box. And so much for uh, for taking the time to speak with us. Yeah, no problem. Good to, good to hear from you. Like I said, I didn't know you guys were so close. I'll have to invite you out to the bonfire or something some night. Woo! We would uh, we'd be happy to do that, and we'll help ch chase some deer away. <laughs> <laughs> After the break, we'll return with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. Welcome back from the break. Time for robots around the world. This week we head all the way to Tokyo, where a seven-foot-tall robot that looks like a cat is busy stocking shelves inside <laughs> convenience stores. I have not heard anything more Japan than murder cat. <laughs> the Model T robot is controlled by a human operator who wears VR glasses and special gloves to control the robot. A microphone inside the Model T robot allows the operator to talk to customers who might be confused by the seven-foot-tall robotic cat stocking shelves at their local family mart. So the video of this is a, a little disturbing. It's kind of like a split screen. On one side is this robotic ninja cat 
just, you know, stocking shelves like you would see, you know, a, a human doing it, except this is a seven foot tall ninja cat. And then on the other side of the screen is just some guy at home from his living room. <laughs> he has like a, a VR headset on, special gloves. And, you know, while some people might be home playing video games, learning how to paint, making sourdough, this person is uh, spending their time, uh, you know, pretending to sock shelves and then actually socking shelves you know, with, with this robot, which is insane. Is this like, is this like a way to still have people do jobs, but have robots do the actual job? Like what is, why is this a thing? Or is this just like, you want to, yeah, we're going to keep going down the line until we play the Sims with our own life. Yeah. Is, I mean, I, it, it makes sense. You've got, you know, a worker who's over the age of 65, which is a big thing in Japan. Um, who doesn't necessarily want to be in a cooler all day, you know, back in a refrigerator, moving heavy things around. So they can just be in the uh, air-conditioned comfort of their own home, you know, all warm and toasty with a blanket on their lap. And uh, they can work in that cooler all day long and never have to feel the frigid temperatures on their bones. We're going we're gonna to hand the keys to, a, to, to, to Nana to, to operate <laughs> Murderbot, Murdercat? I can't think of anybody better. Seven foot feline robotic ninja. We're just gonna hand it <laughs> over with to your grandmother's heart of gold and chili recipe. <laughs> Speak your last words to murder cat. I have a hard time believing that this is something that could work. I understand like this, uh, you know, this use case, but like, how many times do you have to explain to your grandpa or even to your parents like how to use the Roku? You know, like, and now all of a sudden they can't use a VCR, but they're going to be operating a remote ninja cat to stock shelves. Imagine who's going to make the training and the onboarding for this. I, yeah, it's a nightmare. Can you tell Lindsay works for a technology company? Just saying. <laughs> I, I just imagine walking into your local family mart and just, just watching this, this murder cat knocking knocking things off the shelf like uh and apologizing to everybody as they do it <laughs> its voice is like you know a, a little old lady you know oh sorry dear i apologize oh my goodness that was your larynx <laughs> <laughs> i mean so okay in a lot of supermarkets across the united states there's what is it marty yeah that that surveillance robot that pretends yeah the are you shoplifting yeah. robot yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, imagine now you give Marty a pair of functioning arms and it can actually come after you. And like, a broadsword. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, where's the broadsword in these pictures? I'm not seeing it. <laughs> it's, it, it, it comes out of a compartment. <laughs> <laughs> a scabbard in the back. It's like, like RoboCop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I see it now. I have, I have complicated thoughts on the Model T. What do you think about his face, though? I think he's got a really cute face. Cutest face. Oh, the best face. Agreed. Look at those little sunken in eyes, cute little ears. Oh. Sunken in eyes. <laughs> no, no. It looks like a boomerang. Like, at any moment, the head will detach, and it will become a boomerang and hit you in the face. <laughs> so so I've watched too many animes. I swiped the blood away. <laughs> Oh, God. Well, that's about it for us right now. 
We'll be back in your feed next Wednesday with another mystery guest. We'll see you then, folks. Bye. Well, this was good and weird. <laughs>